Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. And Nate, tell us what's special about today's Long Distance Listening. What's special about today's Long Distance Listening is if you reach out your hand... You can touch mine. <laughs> We're just awkwardly shaking. This is, this is this is our first episode of short distance listening. Yes. We are actually in person. This is our first episode that we are recording together. We're at my house in Pennsylvania. Nate lives in Boston. If you've listened to our episodes, you know that the whole purpose of this podcast is that we like talking about music and we live far away and we want to keep our friendship going and we want to do that with a podcast because we're just talking about music all the time and we're like hey we should record this and actually think about what we're saying and and sharing music with each other and so Nate came in for the last few days here this is his last full day here and we are recording all the podcast stuff we have some interviews that we've done and it's just been a really fun time having him here so again official first Short, Short distance, distance listening. listening. Yeah. Um, we're going to try and make this more often because it's way too fun being together and recording, not just seeing each other over Skype. So, Nate, you want to tell us why you are in Lancaster this weekend? Yeah, sure. So when I heard about Valley Heart and my epic touring together, I was like, yo, I need to go to this show. It's going to be crazy. I can't believe Valley Heart's on tour with my epic. I mean, Kevin and I. I can remember back in high school, sitting in the library, listening to My Epic together. I know Yet by My Epic is one of his favorite albums. And actually, it's pretty sick. He's singing the second verse of Lower Still on tour with them. So sick. But anyways, I was like, yo, we got to go see a show. And I asked Andrew, hey, can we meet halfway and go to this Brooklyn show? And he said, Nate, I don't love you enough to meet halfway. If we're going to go to a show together, you have to go the whole way to Lancaster. Now, so Andrew wasn't able to make the Brooklyn date because he's like has a life and stuff. So I was like, "Okay, that's cool. Let's try and do the Lancaster date. And so I drove down to Lancaster and figured I'd spend a few days here afterwards so we could just go to Chick-fil-A and go to Chick-fil-A again and go to Chick-fil-A a third time. No, we've only, we've only been once, but we also went to Rita's and yeah. we saw some pygmy goats and <laughs> it, it was a fun night. <laughs> Anyways, so we have some pretty good audio quality right now uh, because of this setup and being together and having everything hooked up really nicely. But at the venue, we're in this green room and there's sound check going on. And so we just ask you'll be gracious with us. Even if the sound quality isn't phenomenal, there's some really great quality and the conversations that we had because every member of the band that was there Aaron, Nate and Jeremiah were just so open and willing to answer our questions and were very detailed and just did a great job of creating a full picture and a large scope of what my epic is and what this project of violence is and it was just so cool to talk with them and we we're just blessed to have that opportunity so be gracious with us and I'm sure you'll be rewarded for fighting through the not so ideal sound quality. Also, one other quick tidbit. We did talk about Everyone I've Ever Loved by Valley Heart with Kevin, who's the lead vocalist, and he plays guitar in the band. So please feel free to check that out as well after listening to this My Epic podcast.
how you guys doing? We have my Epic with us on uh, Long Distance Listing, and we'll just all introduce ourselves to get ourselves acquainted with one another. Yeah, so I'm Aaron, and uh, I sing and play guitar. Hi, I'm Nate. I play guitar, mostly. My name is Jeremiah, and I play the bass. Dope. Well, it's great meeting you guys. Um, we're both friends with a lot of... Well, I'm friends with a lot of the guys in Valley Heart, and I've introduced Andrew to a lot of them, and we're so happy you guys are on tour with them. Um, how's tour been so far? I mean, I know the sucky part's been being with Valley Heart, yeah, but outside no, of that... They're how, a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> outside of that, how's tour been so far? It's been good, I think. Really good. We like being together. And we like meeting people who want to... Anytime we get to meet someone who wants to meet us... Like, what a ride, huh? Yeah. <laughs> what a thought that you want to meet me. Yeah, it's been good. I mean, like any tour, there's like bigger nights and, and smaller nights. And sometimes you get surprised a little bit which one's which. But um, we're really enjoying playing the new songs and playing the old ones too. And meeting everybody. And like, you know, we're just in general like... Uh, pretty grateful dudes so we're just glad that our AC is mostly working it's been beautiful weather and like even just having just enjoying everything you know really is fun so what inspired the initial idea for the two dueling EPs Ultraviolet and Violence yeah I don't I think they're not dueling I think I would want to note that Mm. No, if you play them at the same time, they will. Yeah, they <laughs> will do it. They won't go well together. <laughs> and they just get confused sometimes for, like, good versus bad. Like, they're not versing each other. No, like, that's all I mean is they're, you know. So we finished. like, brother-sister. Companion yeah. pieces. Yeah, right? they're, like, married. They're spouses. They get along pretty well. When we finished Viscera, uh, the last song we wrote for it, the last song on it, is a song called Open Letter, which uh, is one of our favorite songs as a band. And... It felt like new territory. Um, the, lyrically, musically, maybe, but but lyrically for sure. It was just there was a lot of stuff going on around us of like struggle and doubt and fear and um, people deconstructing their faith. Other people trying to reconstruct faith for the first, trying to build something. We had friends that didn't believe anything that were like trying to figure it out, and friends who were losing their faith, and and a lot of really hard stuff. And we we don't ever really sit down and go like, how can we make this religiously themed? That's like yeah, not. Yeah. But it was just like that was what was in front of us. And open letter felt like a doorway. Mm-hmm. And I remember specifically talking like, we need to write more about that. Yeah. Because um, there's lots of people who just write about how hard things are. And there's lots of people of different faiths who write music about that, you know, quote unquote. And I'm using these this ironically worship music. Yeah. Because um, I think that anything that's good or true or beautiful would go into that category even if it's hard to hear mm-hmm. but it just felt like we need to write more of that and yeah. we're also always looking for more of a challenge as a band we don't ever really want to make the same record again because yeah. then you end up competing with yourself yeah um and um so it just felt like it made a lot of sense like oh there's new territory and what if we took our dynamics because we have a pretty wide dynamic as a band and we just separate it as a new way to challenge her. I mean, I, honestly, we've talked a lot about this over the years, but limitation has so much to do with art. Mm. Um, when you're looking at a blank page, you're not going to get anywhere until you start ruling things out. Yeah. You may not think of it that way, but that's really what it is. If you've limited yourself to paint or oils or whatever, you've already ruled out everything else in the universe, mm-hmm. yeah. and you've made your task infinitely easier. And so going, okay, we're going to do one EP that's like our chillier, chiller viber stuff. Vi- chilly, chilly vibey. Chillier. <laughs> chillier. Our more chill vibey stuff and like a little more like atmospheric. Because we really love that kind of stuff. We love a lot of ambient type stuff. Mm-hmm. And so 
doing a record of that and tying our heavy hands behind our back and going, okay, we have to find ways to make these songs feel finished and emotionally finished and like complete and satisfying without just slamming because we love to slam <laughs> and then let's write a record that's really slam focused yeah. and and at the time it was like well let's make the first one kind of about doubt and and, and struggle uh, doubt and, and faith and then the second one's more about struggle like hard things yeah. and bad things and I think those are things that everybody needs to be talking about and these records don't stand like in contrast to anything we've done before yeah. it's just like oh we should talk about this too I think also too we realized that there was like a, a different kind of heaviness on yet and behold. Yeah, um, yet was very raw, and behold is very like has a lot of sense, and we like both of those things. And so and I would say one is like behold maybe is a bigger record, and yet is a heavier record yeah. if we can use those words. And we like doing both of those things. So this was another way to go. Okay, how do we do both of those things? And it was just a good challenge. So mm-hmm. almost immediately, I mean, even on that Viscera tour, I feel like this t- these titles were there. Like Ultra Violent and Violence was like the first thing. And didn't know why. And it just totally, they both became like, Ultraviolet was the perfect metaphor for everything on that record. And violence really sums up the record really pretty well, I think. So you guys named the new record Violence before you even wrote a word or a lyric or anything. It's kind of like not just naming a kid before like you've had it, but even before you've gotten pregnant. It's like, right. we'll just, like name a kid and yeah. then it'll speak into existence. How did those limitations, um, how was that fruitful creating limitations and how was it easy and natural? And then how was that limitation difficult to really work through and grind through to create that violence, whatever that ended up being for you guys in that moment? I think like creativity such a moving target and so when Aaron sort of started to hatch this idea of the two EPs like we already knew EPs would probably made a lot of sense for us in that time mm-hmm. uh, you know we were no one was looking at the band saying we have time and energy to make a full length record mm-hmm. but also no one was in the in the situation where they were just like we don't want to make records yeah. so EPs were kind of the only thing that made sense mm-hmm. um, having a concept having something to like launch off from mm-hmm. also made a lot of sense so <clears throat> I think Ultraviolet had a really specific Goal in mind, like what Aaron was just saying, we want to chop off our heaviest dynamic, find ways to to have movement and dynamics in the song without just going, okay, now this part just gets as big as and as distorted and as crazy as any part, you know, and just saying, okay, how do we do that without, you know, giving that away? And so it really was strict, I think, at least in my head, it was like really. We had that in mind, that that ran through the whole album. And then violence was, the idea was that the dynamics was reversed, you know. <laughs> and I think that we probably, in most ways, hit that. But we also got to a point when we were writing violence where we stopped thinking about the, uh, you know, yeah. the gimmick of it. And yeah. we just enjoyed writing the songs, awesome. which is ultimately the goal and the whole reason why you would put limitations or you know the whole reason why you'd set like some creative 
stipulation around an, an album is to write better songs yeah. or to like feel inspired. Yeah. And I think we got there, and then we were like, okay, <laughs> let's just let's just write some cool stuff, yeah. and we were just on a roll. So yeah, that's awesome. um, I think that's why maybe violence is a little bit more fleshed out to me. It feels like a more of an album from start to finish, mm-hmm. and maybe fans don't feel that way. Like Ultraviolet to me feels like five songs mm-hmm. yeah. and violence feels like there's a thread that runs through it mm-hmm. yeah. more like an album does musically for sure for M- yeah musically oh, like not really speaking to the lyrics um because i think lyrically they, they doesn't even know what those are like, no, they right, don't know a lot of the lyrics <laughs> for sure well, which I, is a nice surprise when there's a good one right. really th- wait that <laughs> like well aaron actually wrote a good lyric yeah. <laughs> oh that's a pretty decent one <laughs> yeah, he did okay i've been right. like really like dice dissecting both EPs and I noticed that on violence like the first three tracks all have tight transitions oh no sorry the first two tracks have a tight transition then the three are kind of paired up and then the final two and you're really focused on the continuity among it's, these it's, tracks I mean sequencing is always big for us and it's something yeah. that most like thoughtful reviewers have noticed that we always think a lot about as we're writing once we get what, however long the project's going to be, once we get to, like, two-thirds, it's like, what does this need? Yeah. Like, and, he, and, and I'd say that was important, too, with Ultraviolet. Like, was like, okay, well, we need to... One of the thoughts was like, oh, we want to ramp the end of the record up. So when they finish it, they're ready for violence. So two nights gets a lot bigger. Yeah. And, and, like, you know, we're going to drop it on voices. The second track that needs to come back somewhat. Um, and we can't put... We didn't want to put a wilderness and so be it close. We're always thinking about, like, yeah. where do, how do these songs go having different energies? But I think, yeah, when we were writing Violence, like, with Ultraviolet, it was, like, easier to write songies. When we write, so we have, like, an old term that's, like, Tanner, our other guitarist, who's not with us tonight, but he, he says there's songs and songy songs. Yeah. Anything is a song, but a song with, like, verses and chorus and bridges, like, a little more traditional as a songy song. And yeah. those are, in some ways, easier to write because I can kind of get one cranking on my own, and then we flush it. Yeah. And so that was what happened for, I think, three or four of the tracks for, I think, three of those tracks on Ultraviolet. And then... Mm. And then I bring it to the band, and we would go, "Oh, that part stinks," and fix it or whatever. And then I think there was one or maybe a track and a half that me and Nate kind of got started on our own, and then brought to the band. Mm-hmm. But with with violence, like we have to write together a lot because with riffy stuff, it doesn't. I can't tell where I'm at. Like, yeah. and maybe. I, but it was interesting that like near the end of the project, as stuff was coming together, I was like showing some of what I was working on on Blacklight to Nate, and Nate's like, "It's interesting." We're writing this heavy record, but I think we're also writing some of the best, some of the best songwriting. Mm-hmm. Like this tight, like how tight it is. Like because I can play those songs acoustic, and they yeah. still really hold up. Yeah. Well, that's one thing that I was noticing too. Like for being so heavy on violence, like the melodies and the catchiness mm-hmm. was like still extremely infectious. Like mm-hmm. when you think of violence, you're thinking of something jarring, something violent. But like you still found, like you said, these are just great songs mm-hmm. with a heavy. Um, kind of motif, kind motif, of. yeah. Yeah, well, and that's kind of like I mean, we told people this before, and they'd ask it. When the rumor was out that we, were oh, Ultraviolet was out, but what about Violence? I'd always say, like, we're not gonna make a record that doesn't sound like my epic. Yeah. yeah. Partially because um, maybe maybe that's Nate could do that on his own because he can do all kinds of things by himself. But the rest of us, like, and when we come together as a unit, like what comes out to some degree sounds like my epic. We're not gonna write a death metal record because we're not interested in that. Yeah. And I think we talked a, a lot early on about wanting the record to be more unsettling mm-hmm. like to be like literally to be bu- almost like hard to listen to yeah. but the more we talked about that like who yeah. wants to listen to a hard to listen <laughs> to that's kind of get back to get back to what I was saying and to iterate on what you're saying
saying about how catchy it can be at times, really, like, that's what we all like, yeah. you know? We all want... I'd rather listen to a great song mm. than just something that's just, like, you know, noise yeah. that's hard to hear and, you know, really, truly violent. So there was, like, a discussion kind of maybe midway through writing of, like, is this oppressive enough? Like, does this feel, you know? And it was just like, but I kind of just like the song. Yeah. So who cares, you know? Yeah. And so that's when that that's when we stopped thinking about that. I, I, yeah, I remember, like, we were on tour and we were showing the demos. We were at, in, in Charlotte, where Tanner, our other guitarist, lives. We were showing him the demos and I remember showing him the White Noises demo and he was like, I mean, it's really cool, but it like it's a big backbeat thing. It's like Led Zeppelin-y, you know, sabotage, kind of rage against the machine type thing and he was like it's not as angular I thought the record was going to be more ang- more like kind of the beginning of Bloody Angles like, yeah. and the yeah. verses like more the whole record like that we were like well we've got that in the bag like and this sounds good and it will yeah. be heavy and so I mean that's an old saying but for us like let the song win yeah. and so like we that like the idea of violence like led us down the path that got mm-hmm. to these songs mm-hmm. and in the end it's like it's a heavy my epic record it doesn't sound like a death metal band and it also isn't a whole record full of hails and lower stills because yep. yeah. I don't want to retry to rewrite those because I don't want to try to beat that like yeah. I you know yeah. speaking of white noises what made you guys want to have Corey Brandon join you guys what's kind of the connection there yeah we know him uh, we toured with Norma Jean and For Today and Silent Planet a couple years ago and met Norma Jean at that point um, all of us were big fans of Norma Jean before then so uh, we were very excited about that um, and yeah over the course of that tour became friends with Corey and the other guys in the band um, I think at that point we kind of like maybe at the end said hey you know if you ever want to jump on a song we'd love that mm-hmm. um, which Corey's just an awesome dude mm-hmm. was very cool about it and like sure yeah that'd be great keep, keep me in in the loop yeah but nothing on Ultraviolet made sense for that yeah um, and we knew that violence was coming like that's probably going to be you know the song mm-hmm. um, interestingly we didn't really think of him for his screaming voice yeah. <laughs> uh, we wanted kind of more of his singing yeah. stuff that he does although you know I think he lets it loose at the end of, mm-hmm. of White Noises a bit but yeah. that was what we thought would be really interesting is to bring him on but more for for what we think is kind of the, what distinguishes him yeah. and uh, yeah I think kind of right when White Noises really started to develop it was like yeah I think this is the song mm-hmm. and uh, at some point in there Aaron had the idea for two voices within a song and we like to when we have guest vocals make it more than just hop in and do a short little clip and hop out like like let's make this part of the song and what was really really neat about that is Corey was all in once we sent him the lyrics he was jumping in like hey what if we change this and tweak this and I'll do it this way and you so it's kind of cool to have like a a sixth band member for that song really to, to have the song be about a lack of empathy and how everybody's kind of yelling like I say it a lot on this tour but everybody wants to be heard but nobody wants to listen and especially 
especially the stuff that really just ticks me off. It's like when I see, I have a lot of really conservative and a lot of really progressive friends yeah. and seeing them, and they probably aren't friends with people like them, like the other side, but I see them both yeah. yelling crazy stuff online and not, it just like saying stuff like, listen, if you believe X, then don't even read this post. Mm. I'm like, well, then what's the point of saying anything? <laughs> like, don't we want, if someone's wrong, we think someone's wrong, don't we want to see change? Yeah. Don't we want to grow and learn from each other? And uh, so having that idea of two guys yelling at each other, there's like not a good guy in the song. Like, yeah. someone's asking me, like, who's the good guy? Like, yeah. There isn't a good guy. They're <laughs> yeah. both wrong. And in the end, they're saying the same words to each other at the same time with no mm. understanding. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was really just, it all came together and made sense and uh, just clicked so, it was so obvious at, at every step literally the first day we wrote the it was like this is the Corey song because it'll yeah. be against type and we always love that and yeah. another thing I'd say is just like some of the coolest weirdest harmonies in that song are Corey and not me yeah. like he sent that stuff like yeah. he people don't give him enough credit and they should because the dude's a legend but like mm-hmm. he he had all kinds of rad ideas he was all in and also like he just has no ego mm-hmm. he knows when he's right but we didn't really <laughs> we wouldn't I was like you know he was just it's it's, it's cool to work with pros longer yeah. we've been around like when they joined the band when Tanner first joined the band like mm-hmm. working with dudes like that like it's just really really awesome when everybody else is bringing their A game too yeah, definitely so thematically and more lyrically this idea of of violence I noticed that throughout the lyrics that there's always a self-awareness and almost like a self-accountability um usually well usually when it comes to you're not only calling people out for their violent tendencies but also kind of being a little introspective and taking Mm -hmm. some blame in this Mm -hmm. how important do you guys feel like it is in the midst of these tough conversations uh, to be admitting blame and not just pointing the finger? Yeah, I don't really, we don't ever really write songs to do that. Like, it's always like pointing at ourselves first. I think maybe when we were younger, we did that more. But otherwise, we become exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, you people need, <laughs> need to listen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I've said this a ton of times, but we don't write to explain, we write to understand. Mm-hmm. So we're usually writing to get our heads around something or try to figure it out or try to understand. And also, I think one of the things we're most passionate about is just connecting. Mm-hmm. And so when we, when we honestly write about stuff that's in front of us, even if it's hard or even if maybe no one wants to talk about, <laughs> there there is a segment of people who connect with that. And, you know, it's been said by other people like that me too are the two most powerful words in the whole universe. Mm-hmm. Like when you find someone who's talking about what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, to write songs that honestly, like, when I wrote a song like Lashes years ago, people would always ask me who it was about, and I'd always be like, it's about me. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I needed that song. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we get to spend, and we're really blessed to get to spend enough time together that most of these songs are kind of growing out of conversations that we're having with each other, mm-hmm. you know, or that we can all relate to some degree. I'm sure some songs are like, Nate relates to more than others, or mm-hmm. Jeremiah does, but like, they're all things that we've processed, and yeah. it's really important to me as the primary lyricist to not say things that they can't stand behind mm-hmm. um, that we can't stand behind and then knowing too that every record is a time capsule mm-hmm. we're not going to be the people we are in 10 years I'm sure there's stuff on this record that will be like oh I wouldn't say that that way anymore yeah. or I wouldn't sing it that way anymore yeah, yeah people ask what the <clears throat> like a specific song name any song hey what is that song about um, like they're indicating like what's the story behind the incident that it's referring to and to me, like it's kind of missing it because the st- most of the songs were born out of some experience, mm-hmm. um, but written intentionally because they were universal universal yeah. ideas, intending to kind of 
apply to a large swath of experience that all of us as humans are going to encounter. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we could tell you about the fight that this person and this person had, but that would be missing the point of the song. Yeah. That's not the point is to tell a story about some incident, but to say this is something that all of us encounter, you know, they're born. I think that's good. They're born out of the specific, but you want to get them to the place where they speak to the heart of the issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and not just that time I fought with my brother. Yeah. Like, no, what's really going on here? Yeah. And then, so you know, we don't mind sometimes talking about it, but sometimes when people want to, they're trying to. It's like they're trying to solve a puzzle. Yeah. And the question is like, well, what truth did the? If I did a good job as a as a storyteller, as a songwriter, mm-hmm. then the thing people and I see it. It's funny when I do look every now and then. And it's a dangerous thing, but I look at comments. Mm-hmm. And I, the other day, I just was like, I went back to an old video. I think it was of, of Wilderness. And the, this guy's post was like, I'm an atheist, but I really like this song. And he, like, in one sentence, just, like, nailed the thesis of the whole song. Like, both every side of it. And I was like, dude, this dude just na- I don't, I'm not, well, I would have liked it, but I'm not on YouTube or anything like that. But <laughs> it, that's what's, like, but he was talking at the level of, like, the universe, like, what is really here. Because, you know, you go through something like, you know, you, you have a cancer scare or something, and, or, and then you... There's a lot of things that go on, but one of them is like, what's going on in my heart, my mind, and my life, and processing that. What is there to learn here? Yeah. And that's kind of always where we want to end. Yeah. yeah. Like, and how do we empower people? I mean, I think yeah. it's important to us to talk about hard things, but it's also important to us to try to be hopeful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, not like to a fake point. Yeah, and I think when it comes to like Christian music or Christian artists or Christians who make music, it's like as humans, like we all experience very similar truths in the world, and so. This is like a great example of like how people of all walks of life, that atheist, whoever, can speak truth into our lives about things that can be helpful mm-hmm. for us. So you said the lyrics were kind of cathartic and helping you think through and process everything. I was wondering, was the music at all cathartic in helping you wrestle with these things? Like sometimes music can speak things that words can't. Like, did you find yourself through this record being moved by the music you were writing? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't think we would have called the songs done if we didn't find them compelling and moving. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that, like, some of that was like, dude, this gets me jacked up. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. it, 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 I'm pumped, I'm amped. Or, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I think Tanner said something before this in, in another interview about it, but, like, in the end, like, a, a song, like, has to serve an idea or an emotion, even if it's just an emotion. Mm-hmm. That's what people connect with. Like, mm-hmm. even if they hear something that's, like, instrumental and it's, like, super emotional or just angry like you know mm-hmm. I think about when we were all 16 how we just loved hearing like super aggressive music mm-hmm. not even knowing it was just like because our like bodies are jacked at that time and we just got all these chemicals running through us and we just need to yell at something but so like I think yeah I think this the songs worked because like the sound of bloody angles was like oh man that really gets at the heart of like of it sounds like a conflict because there's all these yeah. different things that are like running into each other the verses are like going between these little pocket jazz kind of little parts and then slamming these angular things and like yeah. it feels like a conflict which is like what the song was about you know and like and then like the way some of the parts run into each other I'm sure the, I think that's one of the songs that the first time you listen to it a lot of the parts you can't tell what's coming mm-hmm. like you hear something and it's like oh now that now that other songs mm-hmm. you've written like maybe like Blacklight you can probably we're, we're like we're transmitting a little better what's coming mm-hmm. yeah. and those are both really useful things like to serve songs or whatever and mm-hmm. like little things too like I remember we finished Blacklight mm-hmm. and the big end part where it where I'm singing it, it's a black light or whatever. It, it was originally, it was just like all in 7 4, mm-hmm. and which is something we, we just keep writing in 7 4. I don't know why. Um, there's a cool feel to it that we don't hear a ton. And yeah. so 
every time we landed at Jeremiah, I think Jeremiah gets excited. It's like, yeah, another seven four part. Yeah. But it's never like, hey, we should write a seven four part. It's because I write a riff and we realize it's in seven four. Mm-hmm, yeah. But I was like, man, I can't. It would make so. It would be so fulfilling here to retag the chorus vocal, mm-hmm. and I could do it. And the the changing of the chords would sound a different emotional. But if it's on seven four, it's not, I can't land it. Like mm-hmm. it won't. It needs that one extra beat to cycle. Yep, and yeah. so then we're like, oh, let's do an eight four every. I think it's every other every third. Yeah, it's an eight, on black bite. Yeah. Yeah, before it slams again at the end. Uh, when it's seven four on bad accents. Yeah, you know? yeah. But it, we needed like, but to your point, we needed to add a beat in. Yeah. And we were like, okay, let's do that. Let's make. And that was like really close to the end. Like we were almost recording at that point. Mm-hmm. But it's like serving like, oh, I didn't even have the lyrics done yet. I knew the idea and I was working on it. But it was like, oh, I'm gonna want to cycle back to that melody motif, mm-hmm. and it's not gonna feel good in seven four. Mm-hmm. So how do we make a little adjustment without and those things are just always how does this all come together and serve each other to get the idea across speaking of writing in 7-4 as you were writing the album was there a moment or a song that felt like the biggest risk for you guys I don't know if risk is a good word because we're not really afraid of it yeah like but all but, that stuff is very enticing, actually. Like anything where you're like, "Oh man, this might annoy someone." <laughs> you know, I, I don't have yeah, the words yeah. for it right now, other than like, it might turn someone. Yeah, off. like yeah. like I, none of us were trying to make a record that we thought would be like immediately, like palatable mm-hmm. or, or immediately like. You know, oh yeah, this is the same band that I've always loved playing the same kind of song. None of us were trying to do that. Yeah, I wasn't. No, no. <laughs> so I was excited. Like, hopefully, the joke, you know, <laughs> became a lyric. I don't know if we've even said it, but yeah. I'm gonna say it now. But the we were working on a song, White Noises, White Noises, and we're like pre-proing it. And I just kind of sit back and go, man, I hope they hate it or something. (laughs) (laughs) But then that became a huge lyrical thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it was just sort of this, there's so so much freedom and feeling like we're just making music because this is exactly the kind of music we wanted to make right now. Yeah. And uh, so, so just the idea of like if someone hates it, that's totally cool because we think it's great. <laughs> yeah. Like we think yeah. it's great. So if someone hates it, yeah. that's even better. If you're, if you're yeah. making music to chase an audience and you fail, you can't defend yourself because you didn't yeah. make what you wanted to and you didn't succeed in catching them. If you make what you want to make and they don't like it, you just go, well, we wanted to make that yeah. and we feel good about it. And so we're like, yeah, it's cooler when people like it than when people hate it. Yeah. But I mean, I think especially with this record, we were aiming to go. Mm-hmm. How do we push? Because we have six other records, mm-hmm. and we're so stoked if people like that stuff, mm-hmm. and we're not trying to distance ourselves from it. Mm-hmm. It's there, and we're going to keep playing it. Yeah. But we want to keep keep innovating and keep pushing. So I think those moments were like, I think probably the one that we most like was the, the very first moment we wrote the beginning of White Noises. We, we kind of wrote the five heavy songs like together, and then Spit and Blood and Suneni were like, we needed. We really thought the record needed two more songs for a couple of reasons. One of them was practical, and one of them was was artistic. Like, mm-hmm, oh, yeah. there needs to be these moments, I and mean, we wanted those moments for the record to still feel a little bit unrelenting, but with a different energy. Because if we just slam the whole time, you won't feel anything. We knew people were going to hate those ones. Well, so, I mean, yeah. well, so those two are two of my favorite songs. Ours too. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's just so cool, like how experimental that those tracks are compared to and we just we just wanted them to have each have a version of unrelenting energy mm-hmm. so with spit and blood there's like that 
percussive thing that's just yeah. going over and over and it doesn't it just doesn't quit and then the song falls apart and lyrically like it was like we needed something between white noises and black light and it needed a different energy but we still wanted it to feel oppressive yeah. in its own way and then Sunetti was like yeah what kind of we, we they had some ideas palette wise that we hadn't tapped into that we had kind of put in our mood board yeah. and and it was like oh it has a different energy that's like like kind of like has this dark feel to it and then we wanted to turn the corner lyrically at the very end and, and kind of had this really hopeful thing at the end yeah. of Bad Accent so yeah I mean that the stuff that was like but the clearest moment was when we wrote the beginning of, of White Noises and we like literally my brother went to the bathroom we had four songs pretty well written and then I just heard that idea in my head da 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 uh, which is so dumb, it's barely an idea. <laughs> like, it's so simple, but that's some of the best stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, guys, can we just try this? And we just, we jammed it, and everybody immediately was like, that was so dope. And I remember having, a, yeah. I remember being like, can we do that? And we all just reminded each other, we can do whatever we want. Yeah. yeah. And we're excited about it. Yeah. So we, we, you know, we've always been rewarded for that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, so we're not going to win or connect with people by like not taking those risks. Yeah. So do you have a favorite song from Violence personally, or maybe one that you've really enjoyed playing live? I like, yeah. I like Black Light Live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so far, I, I honestly I dig bloody angles. I really like bloody angles, and I really I have to like Sunini a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. for for me, I usually do have uh, one or two that rise to the top, and on violence, that hasn't been the case. Mm -hmm. Personally, in a, in a good way. In a good way. Yeah. yeah he's, <laughs> Good these both of these guys are like I'm listening to this record as a whole more than anything else. We've I done. just dig it. So for me, I mean, uh, afterwards, like the effect that the, the connect people have really connected with Blacklight a lot, and so that always really helps the song to me because live I'm like I know this is we're I'm feeling something and they're feeling something, mm -hmm. so it's hard to like not let that color it. Now after yeah. like a week and so of being on tour, that like we're we're opening with it a lot, which is which is. It's cool, but it's also like I know if it was later in the set, people would be ready for it. Mm -hmm. Whereas like right now, we're kind of hitting them right away with like a lot of people's favorite track off the record. Yeah. But um, I really love Spit and Blood a lot. We don't we're not playing that um, lyrically. That's probably my favorite on the record. Yeah. And Blacklight was I think one of the like the end riff or like the second to last riff was I think the first thing we wrote. And I remember when we wrote that like the dun, 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 that hell melody part. Yeah. We were like, we wrote that part, and I was like, okay, that is what people are expecting. It's this giant slammy part that is Jeremiah's playing bass chords, and I'm playing this kind of riff thing. Like, that is a heavy my epic. Now that that's there, we can do whatever we want. Because we're going to give people at least one moment yep. that sounds a little bit like older stuff, and unintentionally. Mm -hmm. And then that was actually one of the last songs we finished. It was mm -hmm. like, we had to come back around and keep tearing it apart. It wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And then I remember... We were talking, there was just too many parts, and I, we just, for some reason, we were just talking about um, Song 2 by Blur, and I was like, dude, how do we write this like that? Because that song rips so hard, and it was like, oh, well, like, the, the main riff is good enough, let's just hang out, hang on it longer, and the chorus is like, is a chord with a change, but a lot of times the simplicity really brings it home, so I like that one, Spin Blood, lyrically, 
um, would probably be my two favorites. And then Bloody Angles, for, for sure, is a very personal song. I actually like playing that song acoustic a lot. Um, it just takes it, it's even, it's somehow even darker. But the It Rips Live song. It's, the, it's probably one of the hardest songs to pull off yes. live that maybe I've ever played. Like most rock sets, pretty easy. Once you get it under your fingers, it's pretty easy. That song is so, the changes are so fast and like the the groove is so angular and nothing really locks in place until the choruses. The choruses yeah. are pretty much the only thing that feel right yeah. as yeah. a band and yeah. then everything else is just sort of like you're just hanging out yeah. by it, yourself. It, it does to us what we want the song to do to the listener. Yeah. Which is like it's it's engaging because it's so like it, it, it's all happening so fast yeah. and it feels like a train wreck which is yeah. what it's about. Yeah. So obviously you're on tour right now and how are you guys feeling, I guess, heading into this next step of my epic as a band? Oh, how are we feeling heading into the next step? Is that, was yeah. that I mean, I think that's the best way for me to make sense of the question yeah, sure. in my own head. I think we're feeling really good. Uh, schedules are actually becoming a little more flexible. So, yeah, who knows? We've talked a lot about what's next. And uh, I know there's going to be new music and more touring. So. Yeah. I mean, God willing, that's the plan. I mean, our motivation as a band is really different than a lot of bands that were, that, that not that we're, like, better than them, but it's yeah. just we like being together. Mm-hmm. And we, we kind of view it more as being artists than being a band. Like, we want to make the art and put it out. But it's not like, at this point, my epic is, like, whoever we say it is. Yeah. But it's like we you know my epic is what happens it the band is not a thing like our friendships are the thing like me and Nate and Jeremiah and Jesse and Tanner and and at this point Matt Goldman and the team at Face Down like we're a family and we like doing this and I'm a I don't know how to process life without writing songs, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to write songs without making deadlines, yeah. and I don't know how to write songs without bringing in the guys that I trust the most, mm-hmm. and or finish them without their ideas, like in all meeting and like, there's not like what what, there's just not any you know, again other than maybe Nate and Tanner, like the rest of us couldn't do this alone. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So we love doing it together. So I just have to like I was running the other day, like, two days before we left for the tour, and I was just resetting my expectations like this isn't about how big the numbers are or any of that like we get to choose the lives we live and we and we are responsible for how we use the gifts we're given and having these relationships with each other and the ability to write songs that have found some audience it's not big but it's 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 real it's real people who it really matters to is important to us and on this record already on this week of tour so many people were like I needed this song or that song or this record and it's like okay well maybe for maybe the majority of our fans this won't be their favorite maybe it will I don't know the jury's still out on all that but for some of our fans and for some people who are becoming our fans like this these are the songs in the record they needed and it's the one we needed to write so yeah. I was listening to an, an interview with another friend of ours the other day and he was saying like yeah if you're in a band just don't break up like <laughs> like just when you're ready to do more do more and for us it's like yeah but we like getting together we like writing we, we, we get to express something and for me it's also just like it's a responsibility thing I don't feel like if I'm not doing this to some degree then, I, then I'm like slacking on like I have a great opportunity you know 
So, yeah, I, I get mad in the middle of the process every time and get exhausted. And right now, the thought of, like, not writing for a while sounds great. But even the day we left studio, Jeremiah and I were driving home. We were talking about what's next. So. Yeah, we're always talking about it. Yeah, because we love, we just, we're, I think one of the things that does, like, for sure unites the five of us is we're just generally, like, pretty realistic but optimistic, hopeful dudes. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't expect anything crazy. We don't need it. But we just enjoy it. We're all the kind of guys that are, like, if we got stuck in Lancaster Day, we would have found tried to find a way to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So last question. Now, there's been, like, rumors or questions of, like, hey, are you guys going to merge um, ultraviolet and violence in any way and maybe create, like, ultraviolence or something? Do you guys have a thought on that? We think about it a lot. Talk yeah. About it. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, we see it as one giant piece, and we just didn't want to make the fans wait two years or three years. It was, it was also, it's a helpful construct to just go, we're going to write this patch, and we're going to write the crap out of them and make them as good as we can and keep the quality high and, and have this challenge. It was also a way to get it done quicker because I was in one headspace for one record and another for the other. There's a lot of overlap in that. The diagram is mostly connected, but there's is a difference. Yeah. But I think, yeah, and I think if we did that, it wouldn't just be ultraviolet into violence. I think we want to interlace them. We've talked about it, so maybe someday as like a special edition or something, and, and it'll hopefully come out that way. Yeah. But we'll just have to see. I mean, we, we view them together for sure. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. The, the vision was as a whole. We just want to thank you guys all so much, Jeremiah, Nate, and Aaron. Like, you guys have been phenomenal, and we know we're a small podcast, but you guys still <laughs> dedicated a lot of time to meet with us before show. We're so psyched for the show. Can't wait for it. And just best of luck for you guys moving forward. Thank you guys so much. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. So thanks for listening to that interview with us. We know that you really appreciated listening to Aaron, Nate, and Jeremiah, but actually we're going to take some time together to talk about the album Violence and go track by track and just give a little few details and little thoughts of our own on the album that weren't addressed or brought up uh, during our interview. And so, yeah, stay around and this will be a lot of fun. So sweet. You ready, Andrew? Yep. Okay, so let's get into our first track, which is Bloody Angles. Andrew, what are your thoughts on Bloody Angles, the opener? I think it's a great opening track throughout the album. There's so many really hard-hitting tracks that start out great. But this this song, unlike some of the other ones, just works perfect as the first track. I think lyrically, some of the stuff that it tackles right away helps you understand what they're going to be talking about a lot through the album, which is just a lot of conflict and maybe how to handle conflict or, or more just like wrestling with the ideas of conflict in general. And I think some of my favorite lyrics on the album in general, but especially in this song, are the lyrics, I still get to make this decision. I don't hate you. You are not my enemy. And I think it's really good to just understand that when you're when you're having conflict with someone, 
to make it about the actual conflict, not about hating the person themselves, because I think it's very easy in general for us to just take our hatred of the thing and turn it into the hatred of the person that you're arguing with or, or having this dialogue with and this conversation. And I think it's really good when you're in any sort of a heated debate, an argument, whatever it is, to not turn that hatred against that person because usually then that just starts building walls and they tackle a lot of that on this song specifically and on the album. Uh, one of my favorite things musically that they do, the guitar work on the song is so cool. I really like it. I think they just layer the guitars really well. They always have multiple guitars kind of do doing different things, and I just really enjoy how they both mesh together really well. What are your thoughts, Nate? So I think this was the first time I heard you use the words around me, I hate you, with the word don't in between them. Like, usually that don't word, like, mm-hmm. isn't there. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of feels hypocritical that you said you like those lines when you don't really treat me that way, so... I'm, okay. I'm going to change, Nate. <laughs> I'm going to change. Okay, good. This is, this is encouraging. You'll be better for it. Yeah. Okay. I think this is such a catchy song, despite being so heavy. The first time I listened to it, I felt like the chorus was, like, a little rushed. Like, it comes in so quickly, but I love it now and how unique it is it doesn't come when you expect it and it just like hits you quick it's like a a jab that just like nails you when you're not expecting it and so my favorite line is in the chorus and so i'll just go through the chorus and then highlight that line i can't read your signals are we turning cheeks or tables will our hands find one another will we wash some of each other and so that line will we wash some of each other i think is so interesting to me and I think it's fascinating to uh, think of that illustration in terms of relationships and what it means to forgive one another and what it means to need your hands washed and be in that state. And I'm not going to dive deeply into what I think, but I do think you can spend a lot of time simply thinking about that one line and really processing how that line uh, affects your life and the way you should be living. And I mean, you can do that. Like Andrew's, Andrew had a line. I had a line. We could have picked like at least 10 other different lines on this song. It's jam packed, filled with incredible lyrics as is the rest of violence. So like lyrics are so important in most music, but some bands and some artists just do it better. And this is one of those bands that do it better. And so just give them your time, put in a little bit extra work, and it will definitely be rewarding or challenging or frustrating. But you won't leave it fruitless. You won't leave it unchallenged or uh, thoughtless. Like it will definitely spur some things on for you. So I just challenge you guys with that. So we have our next song, which is White Noises. So, Andrew, White Noises, what are your thoughts? So, the first time I listened to the song, I had already told you this, Nate, but the first time I listened to the song, I heard this voice in it, and I hadn't noticed that it was featuring anyone. I heard the voice, and I was like, that sounds like Norma Jean, and it just so happened that it was Norma Jean. Wow, Andrew, you're so good at recognizing (laughs) artist's voice. Congratulations. Great job. 
<laughs> well, I don't know. I, had to come back. <laughs> I uh, keep like that's that back-to-back songs that made you feel like such a douchebag. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. I will not step in during the next track. Okay. Thank you. I love you, Andrew. Just, just go. You, you got it. I think what I was trying to get at before you just sniped me. Yeah, what I was trying to get at is. Just this idea of if you listen to Norma Jean at all, he has a very unique voice, Corey. And I think what's really cool is during our interview when they had mentioned that they actually wanted Corey for his singing voice more than his screaming voice. Because almost between the two, what's more iconic to me is his singing voice. He has a very unique voice. And I love in the song, the best part of the song has to be the vocals to me. I just think the back and forth dialogue, the lyrics obviously reflect that back and forth dialogue. But I think obviously there is such a difference between Corey's voice and Aaron's voice that Aaron has a much higher voice and just cuts through in a completely different way than Corey's voice, which is a much more like mid-range, mid to low-range voice that has a lot more rasp behind it. And I just think what's really cool is just hearing those voices separately and then coming together at the end i just think that's the best part is the vocal layering it's perfect and i do want to give a quick shout out to nate from my epic because guys you have to see them play live they're excellent and nate does Corey's part justice like it was so good and i think that was the first thing that we'd mentioned when we got in the car uh when nate and i got in the car was we were just like wow nate from my epic like nailed Corey's part like it was just really really good so don't worry if you're gonna see them live they probably won't play with Corey, but it's still gonna be excellent and you're still gonna love the song all right nate what are your thoughts on white noises you stole my thunder i was gonna say that that's okay yeah i deserved it after what has just happened so i love this song I definitely think of all the songs, this one actually had to grow on me the most. It felt like the melodies weren't quite as catchy and the guitar riff seemed a little generic at first. And I think, Andrew, you you had a similar experience the first time you heard the guitar riff, right? Yeah, I did not think it was that great. And the song had to grow on me as well. I think what stuck out to me was the was the vocals. But I think it was really fun for me in the interview was how Aaron basically addressed that idea of like, it's maybe fairly generic, that guitar part. And they were like, should we do this? Can we do this? And they were just like, yeah, we can do whatever we want. And I think that's cool. And I think you almost feel that then later in the song is just like, the freedom that they felt with the song. And it ends up after you listen time and time again to be actually extremely catchy and they, it just works with, with the vocals. And I guess it's cool when somebody else enters into a song and isn't just a side piece. I think sometimes I actually really hate features because it's like the band could have just done that on their own. It's like, it's an extra verse or whatever usually, and it's usually doesn't sound as good as the actual vocalist, and it's kind of out of place. But they implement Corey in such a great way, and I Corey implements himself in such a great way. And him and Aaron are both equal parts of the song, 
And not only is that cool just from a listening standpoint, but thematically it works so well and the back and forth is just so interesting. This is just an interesting song where the way they write it and pull it off has so much to do with the themes in it. And I just love that about this track. All right, the next track is Spit and Blood. Andrew, Spit and Blood, what are your thoughts? So I think this is the biggest dynamic change on the album. And I think by this point already, by track three, it's kind of nice to have a dynamic change. Both of the first songs hit you right away. They're just like really big, really in your face. And this song feels like maybe a throwback to Ultraviolet a little bit. This is where it feels like these stories are weaved a little bit between Ultraviolet and Violence. And I really love just the overall ambient sound of the song I think is really cool it again gives you a little bit of space to breathe while still adding something new to the album a new dynamic a new lower dynamic than what they've already shown throughout the album I do think maybe my favorite part is it gradually slows down at the end and it's so cool it's really cool just again it takes a little while but it just keeps gradually slowing down at the very end of the song, and I love that. So, Nate, what are your thoughts on this track? So this was definitely the fr- a song where the first time you listen to it, you're just shocked because you're totally not expecting it, especially as somebody who's listened to a lot of my epic tracks. They haven't released anything like this before, and it's weird. He has, like, some weird vocal effects, and like Andrew was saying, very atmospheric, very ambient. But this song is easily one of my favorite tracks on violence and Definitely one of my favorite My Epic tracks ever. It's just so incredible. And as we were interviewing My Epic, I wanted to talk about this song in a little more detail, especially the lyric side with Aaron, but I just knew it wasn't going to fit with the interviews, so I talked to them after. And I just really like how poetic he is in this track. Most of his lyrics, I mean, obviously, like, every lyric he's written has a poetic vibe to it but usually he's pretty clear for the most part with what he's trying to say and doesn't use like a ton of imagery without clarifying the use of the imagery and just letting the imagery speak for itself and I feel like he he really does it on this song and I just think he does it so well and it's so interesting in this idea of spit and blood and the significance of actual physicality and matter and the eventual redemption of that matter. I think a lot of times in religion and as a whole, um, not just Christianity, uh, matter can be definitely marginalized and we can we pretend like, oh, our physical beings don't matter at all. Like it's all about the spirit and what's happening underneath. When in reality, like if we were created by God, like he gave us these bodies and he gave us this physical world Uh, for a reason. And it's not something to uh, say doesn't matter. It does have significance. And I definitely think Aaron thinks that it will be remade one day, the whole world. So the same matter that we toil with and struggle with is the same matter that will be reborn and uh, will be renewed and will be able to live new lives 
physically remade. And so this, the Bible doesn't talk about heaven as like this place in the clouds chilling with angels. It talks about, yeah, there's this heaven, but eventually God's going to come back and make everything new. And Jesus will come back and make everything new. And so this physical world is like actually significant and will go through a recreation. And so to just dismiss it as this failed project from God and all that matters is our spiritual beings and spirit is definitely a miscalculation of good theology and so I like the way Aaron poetically addresses it during this track. Okay, next we have the track Black Light. Let's go. Okay, Andrew Blacklight, what are your thoughts? So the instruments on this album might be at their best on this song, in my personal opinion. I love the instrumental right before the bridge, and it comes back later in the song. I think there's almost like a, if you listen to the band Beartooth, there's kind of a guitar part that sounds very similar to something that Caleb from Beartooth would write. It has kind of this like really aggressive guitar but it bends the chord just like ever so slightly, but it creates such a cool, cool sound for that riff. And on top of that, there's some really awesome tremolo picking that they're doing on top of it. And I just think everything is layered together really well, and it kind of pulls you in really well musically. I also really like, I'm going to shout out the music video. The music video that they released for Blacklight is really awesome, so you guys should definitely check that out. All right, Nate, what are your thoughts on Blacklight? Yeah, so this is definitely a banger. I've like played with my own combination of ultraviolet and violence to make a full length album. And it's just like so hard. And I mean, I think the band might eventually do that. You can listen to the interview and whatever the combination they put out is definitely going to be better than anything you or I can come up with. So be patient and I'm sure it's going to be phenomenal. But anyways, it's just a fun thing to do for me to like try and see if I could create a cool combination. But it's hard for me not to have Blacklight be the intro track just because it comes out so hard, so heavy, but it's so catchy, so melodic. And what's cool was when we showed up, that was their opening track for their set list. And it definitely hits you like a ton of bricks right away. And for some people who go in like, oh, I can't wait for them to play Blacklight, you know, a lot of times you expect it to be the last song, and it's like there's this adrenaline and there's this buildup for when it happens. But honestly, like it's cool when it just the first thing is what you came for. So yeah, I really liked how they opened the show with that and thought it's just such a sick opening track. But it works really well in the middle too because after Spit and Blood, for even people who don't like Spit and Blood, you're going to love Blacklight anyways. So it's a very safe position for the song on the track list because it's like, hey, we have this wicked cool and creative track Spit and Blood, but if you're going to be pissed and hate it and be tempted to turn it off, like, don't worry, Blacklight's coming next. So I think it was a smart decision by them. So next, we have the track, Spit It Out. Right it 
Hey, Andrew, spit it out. What are your thoughts? I don't have too many notes for this. I really like the change of pace once again. It's not quite as aggressive as some of the others while actually being the fastest paced song on the album. So it it kind of gets your adrenaline pumping. It gets you really excited. One thing that I noticed is that there's parts of the song, I would say especially with Aaron's vocal in the chorus, that sound a bit like a Circa Survive song. That's the best comp or the best compliment that I could give it either, that it's just such a good, such a well-written song. And I love how the guitars are written. They are, once again, layered really well. I think that's one of my epic's strengths as a band is their guitar work. And I just love how everything's put together for this song. What are your thoughts, Nate? Yeah, so even though this is clearly a rock song and not as much of a departure as a song like Spin and Blood or Asenony, for me, this is actually, this kind of deviates from what they usually do for rock. Like, they usually build at a slower pace. And even though they have like quick parts, it feels like like a slow headbang type of headbang for most of their songs. Like you can really groove. So Spit It Out is just so quick and it just comes in so fast and you can hear it with the drum intro. And I just love it. I love the gang vocals at the end. It's so heavy, very reminiscent of tracks that are on Yet. But this song is just one of my favorites and potentially might be my favorite on Violence. Okay, so next we have Seneni which is most likely a mispronunciation, but also doesn't feel like an abomination of a pronunciation, so we're going to go with it. So yeah, we're going to play it right now. Okay, Andrew, what are your thoughts? So this is, once again, another change of pace song for the album. I would say this is the second time throughout the album that it feels like all of a sudden you kind of are brought down to just something very different and weird. It kind of has this weird, like, lo-fi, futuristic type of soundtrack behind it. And I'm actually just really impressed with my epic's ability to write such a weird song that, at least to me... And my understanding from my epic is very different than anything that they've ever written. I feel like it's just really cool, really unique. I love the feel and the sound that it has. I do love the lyric and musical change kind of halfway through the song as well, which I'm sure you can touch on as well with the song. But I just think in general, it's a really cool song and like hats off to those guys for writing a track like this. So what are your thoughts on this song? So yeah, so after I listened to Spit and Blood a few times, I was like, oh, I love this, like I told you guys earlier. But after listening to Sineni, I was like, oh, like this is another kind of weird song, very similar to Spit and Blood. I just don't like it as much as Spit and Blood. And then after like another listen, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. And I mean, I feel like every song that I kind of didn't like or had things that kind of bothered me, it just grew on me so quickly. This album does not take long to grow. But I really love the juxtaposition in the lyrics. And Andrew touched on that, how halfway there's that split. And so I'm just going to read those lyrics for you. So they go, react, regret, despair, forget. 
it gets heavier each time. It gets heavier. But then the second half of the song, it goes revise, collect, refine, begin. It gets lighter every time. It gets lighter. I mean, as just a fan, you're obviously curious, like, what exactly inspired those specific words. Because, I mean, you're using four words and heavier and then four words and lighter to talk about this huge juxtaposition, this huge dichotomy, this giant transition. And it's just, when you're only saying a few words, each word is so meticulously picked out and crafted. And so I'd be very interested to know what exactly he was thinking. But sometimes, like, that's not a great way of handling with the song, just, like, finding out exactly what the artist thought. Sometimes it's better to be like, wow, this is really beautiful. This is very poetic. Like, how can I think through this with my own life? How can I apply this with my own life? And so I'm in the process of doing that and not really that far along on it. This album's only been out for a little over a week. So, yeah, I'm going to keep doing that and trying to figure out what these lyrics kind of represent for me in my life. Okay, so we have the last song. This is a seven-track album, and so it's Bad Accent, and here we go. Okay, Andrew, Bad Accent, what do you think? Oh man, I want to do this whole thing as bad accent. Where are these songs? If like it wouldn't be disrespectful, I would totally. I mean, it might be worth being disrespectful. It might be <laughs> of all times. Um, so with bad accent, I think this is a really great closing track. It once again is pretty heavy. It's a great song to close the album with. It's the song that I had noticed, and then in our interview, they referenced that they play in 7-4 in this song. Uh, I had not noticed, actually, that they played in 7-4 earlier in the album. They fooled me, got me, but I did notice it in this song, and I love it. It's like the coolest groove. It sounds awesome. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know what 7-4 is, just it's a really weird time signature that you just would not be used to listening to. And so if something feels off, if you're trying to kind of like bop your head to the song and you find it maybe difficult that's kind of why it would be because it's in 7-4 I think my favorite part besides it being in 7-4 at least parts of it in verse 2 I do love the vocal layering throughout I think the vocal layering is awesome there's a back and forth vocal as well this time it's just between Aaron not Aaron and Corey or anyone else but the vocal layering is really awesome with this track and I think after you listen to this track, you just feel really satisfied by the seven songs. As much as, sure, you would want more because all seven tracks have been awesome, I think by the time you reach the end of the seventh track, you feel like you've experienced something, and I think that's a really good sign of a really solid EP and just some really good work that's been done. So, Nate, what's your thoughts? Yeah, so I recently gave a lesson at Youth Group about transcendence and how God differs differently than us. And this just idea that God is just wholly other. 
And then talking about the divide between God and humanity and trying to make sense of all that in light of the fact that we are made in God's image. And uh, yet we continue to struggle to live as the way God created us to live. And I feel that this song kind of speaks to that idea using the verbal illustration or imagery of having a bad accent. And it's like, you might be similarly saying the words or like kind of communicating the words, but it's really hard to hear clearly like what actually is being said and what's actually uh, the truth behind these mutterings that come out of your mouth. And I feel like that's a lot of the times like our relationship with God is that we struggle so much to speak clearly in the way that God created to communicate truth uh, through us. And so in light of that, I just want to read the end of the song. And uh, Aaron sings, when you sing, I may not know this song, but it rings out really lovely when I hum along. When you sing, I cannot play the tune, but I guess someone here should leave their seat and dance with you. When you sing, when you sing. I really just think that's a beautiful way of describing the mystery and the difficulty of living in the way that God created us to live when that can feel so foreign to us in like a different language. And we're just doing our best and trying to sing the song or dance the dance, but we just don't know the parts fully. And we are stuck trying to improv and kind of live impromptu in a way that glorifies God and it's just so difficult and so I just feel like this does a great job of poetically like defining that difficulty but I do think that at the end of the day like this song kind of points to the hope of like oh you don't have to like sing it perfectly and you don't have to know every word perfectly but like there's like beauty in the journey and beauty in the discovery and we are loved despite how terrible like I'm so thankful I'm loved not on the basis of my actual vocal ability (laughs) um but also on a metaphoric level and so it's just encouraging and as much as it does tie everything together it is an open-ended ending and I mean I really do think like that's kind of the conclusion and there will always be mystery and always be questions and always We'll be struggling to figure it out. And I just think my epic is able to communicate that in such a creative and helpful way here. Hey, so as we just sum up our thoughts on the album and go into a little review section, uh, let's just start out with favorite song. Andrew, what's your favorite song on this? I think my favorite track is Blacklight. There's a lot of options here. Uh I thought you were going to say Bloody Angles. I think that's the one that I connect with the most lyrically, and it definitely challenged me a bunch there. But I just think as far as how the track is put together, I think both the lyrics and especially with the music of Blacklight, I feel like it also ties together Ultraviolet and Violence the best. And so I think I'm just very impressed with that track in general. But it's honestly a toss-up if you would ask me, Last week, maybe, I might have told you Bloody Angles. So it's it's a bit of a toss-up. The nice thing is there's no bad tracks, nothing that's a very obvious song that I don't like. It's just hard to pick a favorite. So, Nate, what's your favorite track? I think, for me, the, it would be a toss-up between Spit and Blood and Spit It Out. But I'm going to go with Spit It Out just because I think as a, a standalone song, it just kills it. Despite being a different song for my epic, in my opinion, it displays 
almost everything my epic does well. And also it's a, written from a unique perspective where it feels a little bit more relational on like human terms. Um, where a lot of their tracks are in relationship to God. And I know they deal with a few songs on human terms here, but I just felt like it, it's a song that really hits you hard. I'm actually, I forgot to read lyrics from it in my review, so I'm just going to read some lyrics and not talk about them at all, but just let them sit with you. I whisper, do you trust me still? And that hits you like a brick. Because I've never had to ask before, and now for the first time, you're unsure of it. Dang. Okay, so now let's get into the album review p- portion where we have five sections. We're going off the dome. Usually we prepare this beforehand, but you know, we're just going to go straight into this and let it be all natural for you. So we have five sections again, which are first, instrumentation, second, vocals, third, we have lyrics, fourth, we have journey, which is basically how do the songs flow together, what's the length of the album, and then lastly, we have package, which is just a combination of the production of the album, anything like album artwork, or maybe the title of the album, title of songs, like literally anything that's outside of the actual songwriting and performances. So, Andrew, first on instrumentation, what would you give this out of 10? So I'm going to give it an 8.5. I feel like they did some excellent things on this album. It was not just your standard rock album that is basically pretty straightforward. I love the dynamic changes throughout the album. I love that they were able to create such cool kind of soundscapes with everything um, from the high highs to the low lows and the fact that they were able to experiment throughout the album, Suneni, and and just different times throughout the album that it felt a little bit experimental while still all sounding like my epic and the hardest portion of my epic. But I also appreciate with the instrumental that they didn't just decide that they were going to be a straight-up metal band, that they, they actually explored with being a heavy rock band on this EP without being just as hard as humanly possible, basically. And I think that's much harder to do, and I think they did that really well. So, Nate, what would you give the instrumentation? I think without Spit and Blood and without Sineni, I'd probably give this an 8. I think the tracks are strong, but a song like Bad Accent, it has a a couple parts where I feel like I, I lose focus a little bit. And there's other portions of the album that aren't like quite as strong, like little things to nitpick on. But with those two tracks added, I just think they bring such a fullness to the album and I just love it. So I'm actually going to give this a 9 out of 10. I just think the instrumentation is wicked killer. All right, next we have um, vocals. What are your thoughts on vocals, Andrew? So I'm going to give that an 8 out of 10. I think that Aaron's voice is really strong. I think there are times throughout the album that it feels like the music can overpower his voice a little bit. Mm-hmm. That, again, his voice cuts through, but in a different way. But it can be really, really great. And I actually think my favorite times hearing Aaron's voice are sometimes in those softer moments, like Spit and Blood and Suneni, that they're a little bit experimental with his voice as well. It works really well in those times, and I love the back and forth with Corey and White Noises. But there are times throughout the album that it feels maybe like it could just use an extra an extra punch or something, and maybe just that something's slightly missing. Again, eight out of ten, still pretty great though. So Nate, what would you give it? 
So I'm going to actually give it a 9 out of 10 as well. And honestly, part of this is about things that he can't control, which is just the character of his voice. I think he has such a unique voice. I did... I do agree with the Circus Survive comparison on uh, Spit It Out. But, I mean, outside of that one part, like, you listen to my epic and it never sounds like any other band. Not just because of their musical identity, but really because of Aaron's strong vocal presence. And I do agree with you on certain portions. He's kind of out-muscled at times. But overall, I just think his vocals tie everything together really nicely and I love his vocals. All right, so next we have lyrics. Andrew, what are your thoughts on lyrics? So I'm going to give that a 9.5 out of 10. I think that he was able to explain everything that he wanted to about conflict and conflict resolution and conflict between us as humans, conflict between us and God in such a poetic way that creates open spaces for people to wrestle with the lyrics themselves and not just feel like they have to agree with everything or disagree with everything, but that they can actually wrestle with these lyrics and that there's actually something that they can get out of the lyrics really well. And so I really, really love the lyrics. Nate, what would you give that? Ditto. I got nine and a half. And I just think Aaron's one of the best lyricists in rock. And whatever contributions the other guys add are great as well because I rarely ever i mean i don't think i've ever noticed really any weak spots in the lyrics so good job on everybody's end and they definitely so especially after talking to them i left being like wow i could write a whole lot better like poetry or or lyrics or whatever and i feel like if you're a musician and you listen to them most likely you're going to be feeling the same way like wow I could do a whole lot better because these guys are killing it and I'm nowhere near their level. So they kind of like encourage you to step up your game, I feel like. All right, next we have Journey. And Andrew, what's your rating for Journey? So I'm going to give that a 9.5 out of 10 as well. I think that the Journey in a seven-song EP, it's on the longer end of an EP, but obviously not a full-length album that usually I consider to be 10 songs or longer. But... I love that it's a little longer of an EP because I think it needed that it needed the seven tracks to feel like a fleshed out EP. And I think each song, how it goes in between, how they place those change of pace tracks was perfect. That way it's basically it's this idea of almost too loud, once off, too loud, once off, almost like something like that, where it gives you a break after you've been hearing these loud songs that it pulls you down and gives you, again, space to think, space to breathe. And I just love how the journey lyrically as well as musically of the album is done. Nate, what would you give that? So I'm actually going to give that 8.5. And for me, I actually do agree with mostly everything Andrew's saying. But like when I'm thinking of, for instance, my top 10 albums of the year or whatever... It's really hard to put an album on that's only seven tracks. And it just feels like there's, even despite them doing such a great job and interweaving it together so well, I still feel like there's a little more left to be desired, which is ultraviolet. (laughs) And so that's what's really interesting about this is that if they do put out 
ultraviolence or whatever they're going to call it with a, the combination of ultraviolet and violence. I'm sure for this portion, I'd be with Andrew at a 9.5 if they put the songs in any type of coherent and good order. It's just, it's a little too short for me. And also one other thing to nitpick, I think the weakest song on the album is Bad Accent. And so for them to end it with Bad Accent on such an epic album, I just, I kind of struggle with that where I don't, leave on the highest note and so that's kind of tough for me but I mean I still really like the song and again 8.5 is not a terrible score by any stretch of the imagination all right so lastly we have production we call it package but it's mainly the production so Andrew what did you give that I'm gonna give that a 7.5 it's a little lower with that I do think that there are times throughout the album that it feels like it could be mixed just a little bit better, that it feels like maybe an instrument or or vocal is being covered up a little bit. And I think I could use maybe just a s- slight bump there to kind of make it feel super cohesive. The artwork is good. It's obviously a play on what they did with Ultraviolet. So it's also hard because it basically just changes the colors from Ultraviolet to violence but i don't think it's like a great cover it's not bad again it's just they work well together and it's really hard because i feel like i'm judging it off of violence itself not on the dual kind of artwork so i like them together but by itself it's not not anything special to me so yeah those are my thoughts nate what are your thoughts so i'm giving it 8.0 and very similar thoughts to you, Andrew. I definitely think the mixing could be a little better in a lot of different areas. Well, not a ton of different areas, but definitely in a few different areas. And the vocals get overshadowed a lot at times, and it just could be mixed a little better. However, the production, again, I'm sorry I keep talking about these songs, on Spit and Blood and on Sineni is just so sick and so good. And for them to do something so different, which is th- these songs are very production focused and production heavy and reliant for them to do those songs. And for those songs to really shine on the album, I mean, does speak well of the production on that level. So I'm going to give it that. And I really love the album cover. Um, I exactly what Andrew said. It is a mix of, well, it is a copy of Ultraviolent, just different colors, but um, I do like that darkness f- feel that it has and I just really like it so after reviewing it Andrew gave it a 43 out of 50 and I gave it a 44 out of 50 which combines to 87 out of 100 which we're going to simplify 8.7 out of 10 which is a great score and even if it feels low for our listeners we only review the music we love and we love this so yeah thanks for listening for all my epic listeners we have a little end section which it's really weird kind of random pretty funny in our own minds and then um we'll also let you know what we're doing next
everyone. Welcome to our Encore. This is the section that we give you one final thought, and we also let you know where to find us. So thanks again for listening to this podcast. You can find us wherever podcasts are found. Please like it, review it, comment, just whatever you can do for podcasts, subscribe, all of that. That is super helpful. We don't make any money off this podcast. We do this because we love music and we love talking about music and we love sharing music and so you didn't have to sit through an ad so if you wouldn't mind just liking subscribing all that fun stuff that really helps us be able to move up the charts have other people be able to find it so share it with your friends if you enjoyed it and just let us know your thoughts also you can find us on instagram our instagram is ldl pod again ldl standing for long distance listening you can also find us on twitter LDL pod. We usually put up a bunch of different polls that you can comment on. We let you know about new episodes, both through our Instagram and our Twitter. And so definitely check out both of those. You can email us as well. So if you're still using email, if you still have maybe a Yahoo or a AOL email, those are the best ones to reach us at because we giggle a little bit when we receive those ones. But please email us. uh, Let us know your thoughts on things. Let us know what albums we should be reviewing. Whatever you want to put in an email, even like maybe some jokes or something that you would like us to put on the podcast. Maybe some things that you would like Nate to scream or say at the end of the podcast that we do. Just email us. Let us know what you would like to hear more of. So our email is long distance listening at gmail.com and now i'm going to give you my one final thought so this album talks a lot about conflict and i think it just reminded me of this idea of two wrongs don't make a right and so since two wrongs don't make a right just try three or four just keep trying until it makes a right basically that's the best advice that i could give you you know the definition of insanity Mm -hmm. is Doing the same thing over and over again without expecting different results. Exactly. So you have to expect different results or it's not going to work. Have faith. I think that's what we want to get at. Just have faith that what you're doing matters and will work even if you keep repeating yourself. It's, it's going to work at one time. Yeah. So like Murphy's Law, right? Yep. Interstellar. Gravity. Astronauts. Fire trucks. Ambulances. Policemen. Okay, we are back after the caravan of emergency vehicles have passed Andrew's house. Okay, uh, let's continue. So, Nate, what's your final thought? Okay, sweet. So, scarecrows. I was walked by one the other day, and he turned to me and he said, This job isn't for everyone, but hey, it's in my jeans. You know, it's a good joke when you get like a slow laugh going, where it's <laughs> when like it takes inside like, you and it just takes a second to like yeah. come out of your mouth. And you're like thinking like through it and you're like, oh, I get it. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know, I'm going to do one more. I just thought this one was really funny. So I did a theoretical performance on puns. It was a play on words. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Well played. Well played, sir. Well, thanks for checking out the episode. Definitely check out all of our other episodes that we have, especially our Valley Heart one, because we're assuming if you like my epic, you're definitely going to like Valley Heart. But also check out all the other bands that you might initially like or even not, and just give them a shot and see if you like any new bands. 
Thanks for listening. Next episode, we'll be talking about the album Cola by the band A Beacon School. Shania Twain has a brain.